The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric Franson, I.J. Salveson with you on a Friday. Thanks for tuning in. Joining us as we talk about a couple different things going on in sports. We will talk about the NFL. We'll talk about college football, the NBA, high school football. A lot of different things to cover today. The big news is that the Utah Jazz will resume play. The NBA is resuming play tomorrow. Utah Jazz will play on Sunday. Pre-game will start at 6.20 here on this radio station. And tip-off will be at 6.30 also watch it on TNT. The Jazz have the late game. Uh, good to see them have the evening game. Yeah, uh, for once. Not that we like uh, have church or anything that could take us away from it, but yes, absolutely, <laughs> I agree. Some good family time to uh, uh, to spend watching uh, Utah. You know, I'm I'm interested. I don't know uh, what uh, I don't know when we're previewing the Jazz Nuggets game six, but it, it'll, there's there's a lot of things that go into this one that can make it really intriguing for a number of different reasons. Uh, both matchups, adjustments, uh, and, and and really honestly, flat out energy uh, to want to be there. Well, let's preview it right now. Actually, this is a game that starts at six thirty. It's game six. It could be an elimination game. The Jazz could close it out, uh, or the Nuggets, if they continue the adjustments they made in game four, could uh, assuming game five could uh, extend the series. Uh, I think that. Going back to that game and how it ended, there were just a lot of fluke things that happened back-to-back-to-back yeah. to back to back that just all went Denver's way. I think the Jazz know that. They recognize that. They're going to try to not let that happen again. Um, and I like this. the, the Jazz have a, having a little extra time to prepare and to let that momentum fade from Denver from their win against Utah Jazz uh, the other night. You know, it's interesting. I like your first point of the breaks that Nuggets caught. I mean, the ball that bounced in between like three Jazz players and it ends up in Jeremy Grant's hands for a wing three that pretty much, you know, was a backbreaker for the Utah Jazz. Or the ball that bounced to Jamal Murray, who with nobody guarding him, still fades away from 17 feet, two seconds on the shot clock and hits it. Or Nikola Jokic scoring 21 freaking points in the first quarter. Like... Honestly, I mean, play a game ten different times, and how many does that times well, does that happen? And the Jazz had some silly turnovers on the other end. Yeah, they with did a, a, a traveling call, a moving screen. Well, and I think and, and the Tony other Bradley not understanding how to handle a pass. Yeah, when and he's I think, wide open under the hoop. And 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 Royce O'Neal getting a look like that, he'll never pass it up again. I can only imagine watching film and Royce O'Neal wanting to throw up at least three times, as Quinn Snyder says. So why didn't you shoot it? Like, so I actually rewatched some of the game. I didn't watch all of it because I couldn't because it was just frustrating me. But I paused it where Royce O'Neal caught that pass. There is nobody who could even like sniff Royce O'Neal when he has that back, and and even when he catches it and he stands there for a second, nobody's even coming after him. He still stands there. And then I, I don't know if that just caught him off guard, but for him to stutter and not shoot the ball and hesitate is not Royce O'Neal to me. He takes that shot 99.9% of the time. And on the other side of it, I wonder if Quinn Snyder says, you know what, why wasn't I playing Clarkson more? Because Clarkson doesn't even hesitate. Right, when you're, when you're struggling to get points late in the game, 
Bring in your guy who doesn't struggle yeah. getting points. Yeah, well, and he and he, yeah, and he's not afraid to shoot. He'll take and you know what? When he wasn't when he was on the court and he was taking shots, they were in rhythm with a guy in his grill and he was still knocking it down. When he was getting shots, I mean, like I said, in rhythm or it was a spot up or it was just him creating on his own, give him minutes late in the game. Let him play. I mean, honestly, you like you said, you needed that scoring so badly, and Donovan was giving you as much as he possibly could. Rudy was getting some, not a lot. Joe Ingles hasn't really been there since, I mean, game four. And I mean, I don't understand why Clarkson wasn't playing, and I think Snyder looked at it and says, my bad, on me, Clarkson should have been playing those final few minutes. I know you're looking at defensive reasons. I think offense was more important, especially the way this series has been going. So what... what uh, um adjustments do you anticipate seeing from Denver? Oh, man, that's such a loaded question. What was the final score on of Game 5? Game 5, final score was 117 to 107. So that's the lowest Utah scored in this series then, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Yeah, they've been averaging 127, yeah. 125. I think you stick. I guess sounds weird. I think you stick with what you did. I mean, look, like Jokic breaking down and dropping down, and either make like I mean, if it's Donovan Mitchell, you're pulling up on a screen, right? If it's Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, or anybody except Donovan Mitchell or Jordan Clarkson, you're pulling down and you're making them shoot that ball. You're making them get uncomfortable. Royce O'Neal obviously isn't comfortable shooting right now. Joe Ingles hasn't like been comfortable for the whole series or whatever. You he make, looked better in Game 5. Yeah, but still not to where the, what their level is. You make him shoot the ball. Make anyone but Donovan Mitchell or Jordan Clarkson beat you from the perimeter. Well, kind of like what the Jazz were doing, right? You know what? Jamal Murray's going to get his. Jokic's going to get his. And we got to defend them best, best we can. Make Grant beat you. Make anybody else beat you from the perimeter. And I think that's what the Nuggets have to do here. And if they hit it, they hit it. What do you do? The Jazz scored 64 points, excuse me, 63 points in the first half, only 44 in the second. Uh, so that, that Denver defense did ratchet up. Yeah, oh, it tightened up a lot. And they got physical with them, too, because they knew one thing, Eric. I was interested how the refs made an adjustment from blowing a whistle on almost every single possession in the first half, it seemed like to all of a sudden not blowing anything in the second half. You saw a lot of contact going to the hoop on both sides. Jamal Murray couldn't get a call. Rudy Gobert couldn't get a call. Donovan Mitchell couldn't get a call. Um, and it, so it kind of it's going to be interesting to see how they ref game six, if they tighten it up again for a full 48 minutes, or if they let it go. If they let it go, boy, I'm a, I like Denver's chances because they're really good at finishing through contact. Uh, speaking of which, the free throw... Disparity did not exist. Both teams attempted 16 free throws. Man, Mike Malone's words worked then, huh? Well, and I think his team was also a little more aggressive in the second half. What My question to you is, what do you do about Jokic and Murray? Because really, I think, Eric, we talked about it before Game 5. Um, who's going to be that third star to come out and put up a show? I don't think there really was one. I feel like Jokic and Murray were still the two guys. What do you do? I mean, those two guys alone nearly beat you in, entirely in this game. 
Yeah, uh, Jokic, how he came out in the first quarter just blew was phenomenal. Me away. Yeah, but then he didn't score another bucket until late in the second, second quarter. Quarter wasn't it? It was a layup. So uh, he went totally quiet in the second quarter. Didn't do a whole lot in the third. Started to score more in the fourth again when it was getting more crunch time. Um, I'm actually would I'm okay with that if Jokic gets his points early. I'm okay with that because I don't think that he can. I, I think he he. He spent a lot of energy to get that early to to try to set the tone to keep his team fighting and, and in the in the hunt, if you will. Jamal Murray's opposite; he gets his points late. Yeah, and I think that's what the Jazz have to be careful. He's for. a great closer. Don't let that guy start to get some rhythm because then he will get on fire and you can't slow him down. And that's the thing is some of the shots he hit, Eric, were phenomenal. I mean, there were guys in his grill, and it wouldn't matter; he'd still pull up. I mean, when he gets confidence. It's almost like you can be right there and he can't even see you. He's just shooting. And that's and that's what really is incredible about him and Donovan Mitchell. Um, when the Jazz took that 15-point lead, what was it that the Jazz were doing to get there? Like I, I still can't figure it out because Murray was still getting his points. Sure, Jokic slowed down a little bit. But was it more defensively or offensively that you give credit for for that 15-point lead? It was impressive. And so I... I who was it? I I mean, which part was it that we all of a sudden fell apart? Was it the offensive side or was it the defensive side that just um, let this game get away from us? Uh, that's a fair question. Because um, defensively, also it I thought was, we were still good. Well, and I think at that point, too, Mike Malone talked about this, that at that point, it was like nine minutes, at the nine-minute mark in the third quarter, Jazz were up by 15 and called the timeout, and his guys were coming to the huddle with their heads kind of hanging low, and he got after them, and uh, and they started to ratchet up their intensity, and they were more deliberate in what they were trying to do. And but the Jazz were a little too casual about it, high fiving each other and acting like the series was over. Yeah, you, you got to wait till it's zero on the clock. Yeah. before you start getting too casual. Yeah, that's a great point, especially is, with a good team. Yeah, like Denver. exactly. That's exactly right. This is too damn good of a basketball team that says, "Oh, we're gonna lay over and you know just get this thing closed out four games to one and go home." It's too it's too prideful of a team. There's too much on the line. They're a third seeded team who was what one win away to go to the Western Conference Finals or one win away in the Western Conference Finals. They were that good last year, and they uh, they know how good they are this year. And this is disappointing to them to be down three one was embarrassing to Denver, and they turned around and like you said showed energy, ratcheted things up on the defensive side, caused some headaches, and 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 like you said, Mike Malone said, "Give me one more run." Just give it one more push, and they did. All of a sudden, it's cut down to two, and you knew, you fully knew that momentum, 100% of it was back on Denver's side, and, and, and the Jazz were just, they just never recovered. One thing I've been impressed with, and you brought this up before the series even started, Mike Conley has been so good since he's came back. Like, that is the Memphis Mike Conley we have been praying for since he got here, and now we're seeing it. Um... It's so it's so important for Mike Connolly and Jordan Clarkson to provide some offense to relieve Donovan Mitchell so he doesn't have that stress and um, you know, baggage that it's all on him yeah. to initiate and create. When he knows he's got two other guys that can initiate and create, man, that's got to be a big reliever for him. Do you, if it gets late in the game again, game six, and it's a five, six point game, you know, five minutes left. Four, Four minutes left. Where do you think Quinn turns to 
defensive needs with Royce O'Neal on the court or Jordan Clarkson with offensive need on the court? Uh, that's I think that's too hard to predict. I think it depends on how things have been going throughout the much of the rest of the game. But the series itself wouldn't tell you enough already. I said, you know what? It's 122 to 117. You know, and, and look, Royce is okay. Well, if it's that, then that tells me that offense is flowing. They're getting looks. If it's a grinder and it's a low-scoring game, that tells me something different. And I might need to put somebody in there who can get buckets because they've been hard to come by. If buckets are coming along easily, then I want somebody who has more of a defensive presence to slow down the other team. If buckets are hard to come by, I want to insert somebody who can go get me some points. Really? So, I mean, because even with like a game like 122-117 or whatever it is, four-point game, three-point game, and you need a shooter on the court, I mean, again, with four to five minutes left, you would rather see a defensive guy like Royce O'Neal come on the court than uh, like a, a consistent score like Jordan Clarkson? I think yeah, it's like what we saw the other night, uh, the other day in game f- in game five. Jazz were struggling with finding points. Sure, yeah, they needed another offensive punch, and Royce wasn't providing that. And so, if buckets are hard to come by, I want somebody on that court I see who saying. finds ways to get that ball in the hoop. Um, if if there are a lot of points being scored, then. I, I'm more interested in finding somebody who can lock down the other team because I'm, I'm, you're probably having other guys that are in rhythm and, and feel like they can score points. Tony, my two cents. Tony Bradley's been kind of an issue. Well, excuse me, has been an issue, not kind of, but has been throughout the series. When do you say, you know what, enough of Bradley, give me Juwan Morgan. Give me someone who's going to be a little more physical and yet more productive. Because Tony Bradley just looks like a deer with the, in, in the headlights every single game. And even Mason Plumley, Mason freaking Plumley's eating him alive. When do you go and say, you know what, we need somebody else to bring some kind of a, a different look at Denver right now? Or can you? I don't know that you can. Okay. I mean, the even, team is what it is. Because Juwan Morgan's been so good. Ed Davis is out. It's not like they can yeah, you use can. that as yeah, an that's, option. That's done. So you, you have who you have. That's fair uh, enough. In game five, Morgan and Bradley played five minutes apiece. Straight up, same numbers. Really? Morgan had three rebounds, one assist, no points. Bradley had one rebound, one block, two turnovers. And they were both bad turnovers, two points. too. Really bad turnovers. The thing I like about Morgan is what he brings is he has, look, he's not scared to be out there and take a shot. Morgan is more than willing, and he looks like he fits in so well with the offense. And it almost seems like that the offense, whether it's George Yang, Joe Ingles, or even Jordan Clarkson, they trust him to make the right decision. You see him getting more touches than Tony Bradley would. And I just feel like that trust goes a long ways, where if they need important backup minutes and Rudy Gobert needs that breath, man, I would just, I honestly would be looking at Morgan in a heartbeat because Bradley has just been so inconsistent throughout this whole entire series. The problem is Denver is so big and yeah, so long. That's and true. So that's true. I don't know how you have Morgan as your center yeah. against Denver because Jokic goes out and they bring in another seven footer, <laughs> six foot ten guy, and I just think that they'd be overmatched. Yeah, I think Morgan would be overmatched, and so that's why I think you have to still use Bradley at in, in stretches. 
I uh, Gobert played forty three minutes. Yeah. Well, he had to, man. When Tony Bradley isn't bringing you what he should, you have to play him that many minutes. And I, th- I think you're right. You said this through, I believe, in hour one, Eric. The rest was big for Utah just in the fact that give him some legs again. I mean, now you get a chance to just sit back and relax. I know emotionally, mentally, they're probably exhausted, but a chance to reset, get back on the court, refocus on what game six is, and have a chance to close out this series is monstrous for them. I expect, and I fully honestly anticipate, Eric, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert playing 43-plus minutes on Game 6. I honestly expect it. Because, again, they were up 16 in this game, and this, and it was well in hand, and it just fell apart. If they're up 16 again, I can guarantee you that ain't happening again. No way does that happen again. It's 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 a step on your throat. Don't let you breathe. Let's put this thing to rest and let's go to ground two. All right, your score prediction for Game Six Sunday night at six thirty. One twenty five, one seventeen. I don't think it's as close as that sounds, though. I think Utah has a 13, 14 point lead. Uh, Denver gets a couple of late buckets and we close it out and go to round two. Uh, there's been a lot of offense in this one. Denver doesn't play great defense. I don't know that they can replicate the defensive intensity that they brought in Game Me 5. Uh, I'm with you. I think the Jazz score over 120 points. Um, uh, 124, 125, that's been their average outside of the the, uh, the loss the other night. Um, I would suspect, though, that it will be like 120 to... Uh, one fifteen. Okay. I think it will be to the wire. Uh, Denver's can, a good team. Yeah, I, and they're not going to lay them. down. My head. I think is. it'll come down to the wire, and but it'll be free throws. I also think. Yeah, in fact, you know what? Let me ask you this first. Give me your one key to the game. Oh man, for the Jazz. That's so hard. I mean, there's so many different things, but I, I think the the big key would be to uh, to to isolate. Or not maybe to isolate, but to slow down Jamal Murray yes. in the second half. Can't stop him, but you can Don't slow him down. Don't let him get momentum Absolutely. in the second half. And I think it kind of leans on to Quinn Snyder. In game four, we saw him make uh, great adjustments, Eric. Really good adjustments where Mike Malone was outcoached from the tip-off to the buzzer in the fourth quarter. I'd like to see Quinn Snyder make the right adjustments, push some different buttons, throw Mike Malone in this lineup off. Close it out. I think Quinn Snyder's going to make the a key adjustments. I think he's the X factor in this game, to be very honest with you. And I think I, I, I trust him a lot more in this situation. They've been through this. They have the experience, as has Quinn. Um, I think Quinn Snyder's going to make the push the right buttons. And I think Jazz get out of here. And I think Denver's going to do what they can to keep the ball out of Donovan's hands. I think you're going to see more Jeremy Grant on him, uh, Michael Porter Jr. on him. Dude, no, but that, that's Craig the wrong on him thing to do. And just try to, to blanket him and deny him the ball. They're going to have to try to have somebody else handle the ball. MP Jr. needs to be not be on the court if you're Denver. Like Donovan Mitchell and Joe Ingles and these guys are lining him up. You see it all the time. You talked about it. Even George Yang. Sit up, yeah, George Yang. They're lining him up every single time. And every single time, MP Jr. gets toasted. He cannot be on the court in like late in this game or else Donovan Mitchell's gonna feast on him. I thought Denver actually did a little better job in game five about helping him double helping up. him yeah. and not allowing yeah. him to switch out on yeah, those when they you. tried to. Good point. All right, uh, coming up next year in the full court press, uh again a quick rundown of what's happening tonight in high school football. Uh we've got some college football news with the Big Ten. 
and uh, uh, Real Salt Lake is in the news again after some additional stuff came through after we got off the air. And uh, Jordan Love, there's some reports from uh, the Green Bay Packers camp that aren't very flattering about Jordan Love. <laughs> We'll talk about that coming up on the Full Court Press. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, thanks for tuning in and joining us. If you'd like to uh, let us know your thoughts or questions that you may have about things going on, we'd love to hear from you. 435-339-0321 to text into the program. I just saw your... T- <laughs> I'd rather watch my neighborhood in the junior jazz game. So I tweeted out that the Jazz would start Sunday. They'd re- their game would game six would be Sunday at six thirty p.m. We'll have the full play by play here on one hundred six nine The Fan. And uh, a Twitter follower doesn't apparently care for the Jazz right now or the NBA. No, it's your prerogative. I'm not forcing you to watch or listen. I'm just letting you know where it is if you want to. Uh, AJ, let's let's shift from the NBA and let's talk about another professional sport, and that's the NFL. Now, uh, the other day, several pr- uh, teams stopped uh, practicing. Uh, they didn't hold their regular practices, so they could have open discussions about uh, the the news of the day with racial injustice and uh, plans and uh, progress that could be made, steps that could be made. But uh, in the practices that have taken place, as they've resumed, uh, there's a report yesterday about uh, out of Green Bay. Uh, this was both the uh, ESPN perspective and the athletic perspective. The reporters whom they had there reporting on what was going on in the Green Bay camp, Ajay, neither one had anything really good to say about Jordan Love. Uh, just, well, not that it was all negative, but... That he is, uh, well, the athletic perspective was, it's not that he is in, in, in a race on the depth chart. He's not on the depth chart. Uh, he's at the bottom. Uh, and so there's wide concerns about Jordan Love and how he's acclimating or not acclimating to the NFL and the Green Bay Packers. So is there a quote in there that you read that makes you just kind of, uh, I'm worried here at all. Is there anything that stands out to you? Well, here's this one. This is from uh, an offensive assistant uh, with another team. Um, well, actually, let me go back to uh, Matt LaFleur. Actually, I'm going to use this one. The, a quote from uh, Packers coach Matt LaFleur. I just told them, hey, you can't play hesitant. You can't play tentative. Uh, he says, we tell quarterbacks indecisive equals ineffective. I know there's a lot going through his mind right now, but sometimes you've just got to shut it off and let your instincts take over and really go out and rip the ball. That's kind of the challenge to him right now. So the criticism to Jordan Love is that he he hasn't been able to fully digest the playbook, that he's overthinking things a little too much. He's trying to understand everything that's going on around him and that he's 
he's thrown some touch passes, which are okay, but that also gives the defense time to to catch up when he floats them in there. So there, uh, there's some criticisms about Jordan Love and and not uh, getting or being up to speed just yet at the NFL level. It's. <laughs> You know, the problem with the situation is that, like, we already expect so much of him, right? The expectation for him was so stinking high because he's a first-round pick. Um, And now he's getting fully guaranteed money, and so now they're all, like, he's supposed to be Tom Brady of 2003 already. Like, it, it takes a couple of years. Like, the NFL is not college. Everybody's a little bit bigger. Everybody's a little bit faster. Everybody's a little bit smarter. Like, you can't get away with a 40-yard throw on the run throwing in a double coverage. Like, unless you have a receiver like Randy Moss or Jerry Rice on the other side. It just doesn't happen. And so the decision-making, instead of having three to four seconds, you now have, at best, two seconds. Um, <laughs> And instead of having, like, some guy from uh, no-name Texas... At San Jose State coming after you, you now have, like, DeMarcus Ware. The just and, and so the expectation, I feel like, needs to settle down just a little bit and understand he's a rookie. He is a rookie. It is going to take time. He has never been in an NFL game in his life. He's never touched an NFL practice until now in his life. Things are going to take time, and you have to be patient with him. I don't think if I don't think Aaron Rodgers looked that great probably in his first year. I'd love to read the articles on what he looked like in two thousand four or five or whatever the hell it was. Not to mention Brett Favre was his freaking uh, mentor. Well, actually, uh, uh, Colin Coward talked about that quite a bit earlier today. Oh, that when he showed up, when Aaron Rodgers showed up, he was blowing a lot of people away. Like this is a guy that's going to be a difference maker. Here's a guy that's got an arm. Here's a guy that, that's that's into this. Um, Jordan Love has not impressed anybody yet. Oh. And he's nine practices in. I get that. It's still new. But here's... It, we have two different reporters from two different publications. They don't have an agenda against Jordan Love, but both of them come to the same conclusion. Here's from The Athletic. He hasn't fallen down the quarterback depth chart. He was already at the bottom of it. Love has yet to even provide a glimpse at why the Packers traded up to draft him in the first round. Again, we're nine practices into an NFL, uh, for an NFL rookie. Like, let's let's tone it down a little bit. Let's give the guy a chance. Let's give him a full freaking season to learn under Aaron Rodgers instead of just taking arrows and shooting them blindly. Uh, Matt Schneidman, who wrote the article in The Athletic today, from camp today, reported, Jordan Love just had a really nice throw and long completion during the team practice. Look, he's going to get there. I can't, it's, and like, I don't, <laughs> it just blows my mind that we're, we, I mean, that you've got, publications kind of getting after him a little bit already. We're nine practices in. He's going to learn. It's going to take time. There's a lot of questions, a lot of film study, a lot of things he's going to have to just, you know, in um, just to take in. 
And again, everything is different in the NFL, Eric. Every safety is better. Every linebacker is quicker and bigger and better. Every defensive line is the exact same thing. Bigger, better, faster. Reads are going to have to be different. Reads are going to have to be quicker. Throws are going to have to be more accurate. You're going to have to be a little bit more pinpoint. And he's learning that. It's nine practices freaking in like, my goodness gracious, let's let's relax a little bit here. Uh, a, an offensive assistant with another team in reacting to what uh, Coach LaFleur said about Jordan Love says, every position's timing is just not the same right now. You can't panic over this. It's not fair. Thank you. I don't know if I'd start burying the guy just yet. doesn't mean he's not going to be a good player. Because you know what? I'll be honest. Tom Brady looked like garbage in his first year. He looked horrible in his first year. That includes preseason games. That includes practices. The thing about him that impressed Bill Belichick the most was that he kept learning and he kept getting better and he kept wanting to learn more and more and more that he would soak it all in. Jordan Love is a football junkie. He's going to want to learn more. He's going to want to continue to get better. It is year one. We are barely, barely into year one. Barely. No reason to like write these articles of, hey, oh boy, there's a reason why he's at the bottom of the depth chart. It's because he sucks. So I go, hey, we, we drafted this guy in the first round for how much? What? Come on. But, Aja, you can understand why there would be concern, why there no. would be criticism. No, you I used I two I draft understand. picks to move up I to get understand. this guy. He's a rookie. He's a freaking rookie. But you drafted him in the first round. Okay. Yes, they did. And they expect a lot out of him in year three, year four, year five, maybe even year two. Give him a freaking full year to learn. No, I don't I don't understand why we're get why we're hearing this. I don't understand it all. Give him a full year. Don't give him nine practices. Well, the, the expectations on Jordan Love are vastly different from a Joe Burrow for obvious reasons. Well, yeah. Joe Burrow is expected to come in and start and lead that team. Yes. Jordan Love's coming under criticism even though he might not even see the field exactly. for three years. And if someone like Tua from Miami gets a little bit more leniency, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be really upset. Jordan Love doesn't deserve to get just bombarded like this after nine practices. We're talking about practice. <laughs> like, we're not talking about preseason. We're not talking about... uh what are those things where the uh, other team comes over and scrimmages against you? Whatever those are. I can't remember what those are. Uh, we're not talking about um, uh, a regular season game. We're talking about practice. Thank you, Alan Iverson. Yeah, I'm serious. So, like, and, and the other thing, too, we, we do need to take a step back here. Realize, look, he didn't have a rookie minicamp. He didn't have OTAs. Uh, there's not going to be a preseason Games. Yeah, there won't be a preseason game. So, um, it, I, I think to your to some degree, I agree with you that people need to pump the brakes on the criticism. But at the same time, I also understand where it's coming from. When you picked, you you used other picks to move up to get this guy. There should be an expectation that he's going to come in and help you. Yes, he will, but not nine practices in. But when you had opportunities to get wide receivers or running backs to help your Hall of Fame quarterback who is there with you today, that's why there's criticism. But not nine they practices They opted to go in. with this guy instead. No, but even the receivers third on still the depth suck. Chart. Even the receivers and the running backs probably wouldn't get it in the first nine practices. They'd probably drop a few balls. They'd probably run a few wrong routes. They'd probably have a few wrong reads. 
that happens when you're nine practices in to your first NFL season. These are rookies. They're rookies. And like you've already brought up, a great point, there is no spring ball, there is no OTAs, and there is no preseason games. None. None of that. And that is, and as Bill Belichick, I again, I'm going back to Patriots land because I listen to Bill Belichick. As Coach Belichick has consistently said, you can't, like, you can't emphasize enough how important those things are. OTAs and spring ball. I'd love to have Ethan Durstella here right now to help us understand. I'm serious because he could help us understand how, impar- how imperative those spring practices and OTAs and practices really are for these guys. And he and it is incredibly unfair that we're we got publications dogging him this early into it. I mean that is just incredible to me. Now if it's Cam Newton, absolutely. Guy's a quarterback, been in the league for how long? Yeah, I get it. Let him learn under a full season of Aaron Rodgers, and then come back to me in year two. And if he's still struggling, then let's have a conversation. Then let's have a conversation about Jordan Love and if it was worth the value. But this is way unfair. Uh, Packers quarterbacks coach, passing game coordinator Luke Getze said after practice on Wednesday, we just got to keep giving him those opportunities and we'll see what happens. Uh, so it's just about growth every day. It's just about getting a little bit better every day, a little bit more comfortable every single day. I'm not too worried about a completion percentage, the hard fact. I'm just not really worried about that right now. There's just a bigger picture, not only for him, but for all the guys. But there are comparisons to Aaron Rodgers when he came into camp. Now he tore it up. But there, he did have some other advantages that Jordan Love has not had. But there's some criticism Again, right now. Oh, you Jordan know what? Love. And No, honestly, wait, hold up. Let's talk about those advantages really quick. What advantages has he had over Jordan Love? Well, he had a, a rookie minicamp. He had OTAs. Uh, he came into a situation where the team had uh, uh, fallen real short in the playoffs the year before. They lost in the wild card the, the season before, so there were lower expectations. And they were looking for answers. So those are some of the different things that Aaron Rodgers had that Jordan Love doesn't have. I mean, both came in uh, under a Hall of Fame quarterback and a great ownership, great team. Great one run program, but Jordan has not had the the benefit of a, a normal traditional summer to get ready for the NFL system. And Jordan also is a year younger, less college football experience. Yeah, I again the advantages I I, I think are valid. Um. He's going to be a great quarterback. I don't know if he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't know if he's going to win a Super Bowl. I don't know if he's going to be in the NFC Championship. I don't know what the future looks like. I have no idea. But I can tell you now that nine practices in like analysis of Jordan Love <laughs> and in three years when he's a starting quarterback are, be, are going to be completely different. Absolutely different. That's a good quarterback, a smart kid who stays grounded. Loves the game, is a football junkie, is a quarterback junkie, has good talent, needs to work on some things, absolutely. But what rookie doesn't need to work on something that he had in the college game? 
And it's not like the scouts came out and said, hey, he's a perfect, perfect quarterback. He is the perfect quarterback in the whole entire NFL or in the entire college football. No, it's not true. He has things, a lot of things, some major, some minor, that he needs to work on to be a better quarterback. But throwing that at him in, in nine practices is just is is senile and is uh, is asinine to me. And yeah, I, I <laughs> my goodness, that's and again, we had no OTAs, no spring ball, but why not? And I think more than anything, Eric, it's just because he's behind Aaron Rodgers. If he was behind Andy Dalton, no one would give a crap. If he was it's behind true. Baker Mayfield, I don't think a lot of people would give a crap except for Cleveland City. If he was behind, but he's behind Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field in Green Bay when he was a first-round pick. The first-round pick happened because Green Bay drafted up to get him. So, again, like let's allow the kid to learn and to grow in the NFL, to grow in the system, and let's give him a full year. If he is not improved in the slightest bit in year two, let's go ahead and take all sorts of shots at him. But I honestly think he's going to improve. He's going to be a better quarterback. He's still not going to be the great quarterback that everyone thinks he is or should be already. He's not going to be Brett Favre by after year one. I'm sorry, but that's just how it is. But he's going to be a better quarterback, and he's going to learn. I can dang well promise you that. So Ethan Ethan has weighed in on this. He sent a oh, text. Good. I hear he's been so indecisive it's painful. Apparently there was already a little regret. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to freaking chuck my phone through a window here. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So, that's the news. It's a little good, gosh. You know, what, the ESPN you know and what, the Everybody athletic. was pretty pissed when they drafted Tom Brady to the Patriots did. Man, that turned out to be a big bust, too. Guy sucked. Uh, love it. Okay. <laughs> Coming up next here on the Full Court Press. Uh, a lot of pressure, not on just Jordan Love, a lot of pressure on Deloy Hansen, owner of the uh, uh, Real Salt Lake a soccer team from Major League Soccer down in Sandy. Besides what he'd said on the radio, uh, now there's a the report that was in The Athletic that detailed a history of problematic conversations, phrases, and racist remarks. It's gotten him in some real hot water. The Players Association, the commissioner, there are some real serious concerns about the ownership of Real Salt Lake. We'll get into that coming up next to the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Before we get into what's going on with Real Salt Lake and their owner, Deloy Hansen, a text come in from 9315. I totally agree with Ajay. Good. Glad we got that cleared up. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the reading more through the article on ESPN, there's more and more comments there from coaches, that coaching staff, that they're just encouraging to, they keep encouraging him to use his instinct. Yeah. And he's overthinking it too much. As, you and know, that it, happens. It's understandable. Yeah, you're in a, a new system. You're bright lights, big stadium, Lambeau Field, um, and a lot of pressure on you coming in the first round. He's just got to study the playbook and just play with his instincts. He'll get there. He doesn't need to be the day one starter. But he does need to prove that he was worth a first-round pick and using other draft picks to move up to get him. Yeah. That he is going to be a quarterback 
for the future. And so far, it's leaving a lot of doubts about that. But it's new. It's young in the process. Uh, yesterday, a lot of news about Rayal Salt Lake. The Loy Hansen went on a radio show in the morning, had some really disparaging remarks about his team, decided to take a knee, uh, saying it was a, a personal uh, thing for him. Disrespect was profound to me personally, he said. Um, and saying it took the wind out of his sails to want to invest any more in the team. And then later in the afternoon, backtracked a little bit on some of his comments. Because earlier he said, I'm we're not going to have fans. I'm not going to do any more games. I'm just going to fold up shop here. And then later in the day, went on another radio show that also is part of his ownership. And uh, trying to backtrack a little bit, justify some of his comments. But then later in the afternoon, a report by The Athletic um, with multiple people contributing. Uh, detailed uh, and has a lot of claims of racial remarks and racially charged remarks made by Deloy Hansen over the years. Uh, um, when these things come out, first let me just say this: what he, the things that he said, are deplorable. Uh, if it's proven that that he said those things, that's that's really deplorable. I, I do want to say that. If there was the, the the timing of this coming out is is questionable to me. If there if these things are, were known, why are they being detailed all of a sudden at this time? It's like okay, it's time to pounce and time to unload everything that we have. We've been holding stuff in reserve. Now we're letting it out. Yeah, that's a great point you bring up. Is why do we bring it up now? Why wasn't it brought up earlier? Why didn't it? Why wasn't it brought up and dealt with at yeah. the time? And 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 the whole and I got to be really really careful how I phrase this. But the whole, like, well, he's Deloitte Hansen. You don't worry about that. If you have complaints, you need to take care of it. You either go, like, if it is harassment, find somebody to report it to. You do your part and report it. And if they haven't done anything, then take it to a higher flagpole. I don't know if there is a higher flagpole or how you can handle it, but you've got to report it. And Andy Larson, did you see the Andy Larson tweet? No. Uh, It wasn't really professional journalism. I, I, I would per se, but he tweeted out, give me all your Deloitte Hansen stories, and there was like 86 stories, and none of them, well, uh, I mean, a bunch of people were upset with Andy for even doing that, but there was a lot of stories that made you shake your head, and I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, okay, so wait, if this happened, why didn't you report it? Yeah, I, I get a little a little bothered that these things are... Just store it in your back pocket Why is it and then reveal at the yeah. opportune time where we can pile on. That's not to excuse what was said. I want to make that very clear. Um, but now Major League Soccer is taking notice, and they're very troubled with the comments and the article. Um, Major League Soccer statement says, we're deeply concerned about the allegations made in a report published this evening concerning language used by and the conduct of Real Salt Lake owner Deloy Hansen. Major League Soccer has zero tolerance for this type of language or conduct and will immediately commence an investigation. Uh, the play, Basically, the uh, Players Association uh, for Major League Soccer also uh, making a strong statement, uh, basically encouraging him to get out of being involved with Major League Soccer. Which I think he would be. If, if this investigation does pull out to be true, uh, and everything is verified, then he should absolutely positively in no way, shape, or form be a part of Real Salt Lake. 
The question is, Eric, if that's the case and he's forced to sell the team, who picks it up? I think there, there will be buyers. LHM? Uh, I don't know that they... I know they have their won. hands full, but... I mean, they've proven they can run sports franchises pretty successfully. Uh, and, and according to the, I mean, the, the calendar of the way things work, it would be in the off season for the Jazz, but it would be in the full season of the Bees. But <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the uh, Major League Soccer Players Association, uh, their comment. The allegations in tonight's athletic story concerning RSL owner Deloy Hansen are sickening. MLSPA calls upon MLS to immediately suspend Hansen and conduct a thorough investigation. If the allegations are substantiated, he must be forced to sell the team. Close quote. Uh, Major League Soccer has said they are launching an investigation. Uh, National Women's Soccer League, they are also opening an investigation. Uh, not only does he own Real Salt Lake, he also owns the Utah Royals, uh, Utah Royals FC, which is a uh, women's soccer team. So it's not looking good for Deloitte Hansen and Real Salt Lake right now. Yeah, nor should it. And I, does the Real Salt Lake team play tomorrow night? I think they probably do. I, but I don't know. I mean, they're sp- they're scheduled to play Portland in Portland tomorrow. Because well, look, you've already stood up to Deloitte once. And now these things have came out, whether they're verified or not. Well, the the thing that the the their boycott standing with LAFC was not directly at Deloitte Hansen. No. It was in solidarity yeah, with but things that, that were happening across major sports. But after he made the comments that he made on yesterday morning, right? Yes. After he made those comments yesterday morning, do you still play for this guy? Knowing he's your owner? I know there'd be a lot of frustration. I, I think what he the allegations in the athletic would be more more troubling if I were a player than the, the comments that he said Thursday morning. Yeah, sure. I mean, you're right. Absolutely right on that. The allegations are definitely more troubling. But still, the comments that he made yesterday morning weren't all that like <laughs> convincing that you should go play for soccer for this guy when he owns your soccer team. I would imagine that they're playing, but. And that's at home, isn't it? I think I don't think no. It's at Portland. Oh, it is. Yes, I think they play then. If it was at home, I don't think they would play. If it's in Portland, they'll play. Yeah. What a mess that is, though, Eric. It's not pretty. Yeah, it's really bad. All right, got to take another step here. Step aside here on the full court press. Some final thoughts for the weekend coming up next. schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. The Fan. That's, that's phenomenal. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. <laughs> A busy night of uh, high school football. You can see the full schedule on cashvalleydaily.com where we have the, the radio stations you can follow along to hear the games, the uh, links to listen live on your mobile device, on your desktop, uh, streaming. Uh, we've got Bear River is going to be at Bonneville. You can hear that on 104.9 FM in Box Elder County. 
Skyview is uh, taking on Highland. That game is being played up at Madison High School in Rexburg tomorrow night. Scheduled the kickoff at 7. Uh, Green Canyon is at Stansbury. That should be a good one, too, by the way. By the way, Skyview game will be here on the fan. Uh, Green Canyon at Stansbury will be at 100.9 FM. Uh, Logan at Cypress on KVNU, 610 AM, 102.1 FM. Ridgeline versus Farmington, the one uh, Region 11 team that's playing at home tonight. That'll be a fun one on 104.5 FM. And then uh, Mountain Crest in action right now up in uh, uh, at Madison High School taking on Bonneville. And uh, last we heard, they were up big, 36 yeah. to nothing. Yeah, after. and that was 36-8 actually. Uh, by the way, 9315 texted in, do we have an idea yet on if and when USU basketball would start? Uh, we are hoping for a November start. That's what they're hoping for. Uh, definitely subject to change based on how things go. Yeah, well, basketball is in the air. Yeah. It, it's, there's a lot of uncertainty there. Hoping for a November 21st or December 4th start. Um, I'd love to get their home, that, that schedule, though, because getting BYU and St. Mary's at home would be monstrous for their RPI. All right, there's still some question about, does basketball just do conference only? Do yeah. they follow football and do that? Uh, I, I, I hope not. I hope they can play some non-conference games. Uh, again, BYU and St. Mary's would be major for them. But we bottom line is we don't know. Yeah. We still abs- don't know. Absolutely. Uh, Big Ten is looking at potentially starting their football season conference-only schedule. Uh, the weekend of Thanksgiving, uh, they're going to be deliberating that and discussing that probably the next week. Um, so probably, it probably won't be you know, a few days before we know for sure if that's what they're going to do. And Pac-12 has said nothing about their plans for spring, winter, whatever. We don't even know they, if they have a plan. Uh, Big Ten is trying to get something put together. So we'll see. If they decide what they're going to do, maybe the Mountain West isn't that far behind them on their own proposals. So that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Skyview football will be tomorrow night. A lot of other football action throughout the Valley. Tune into our family radio stations to tune in. We've-